2.0 white paper governance of Atom 2.0. This has been a hotly debated topic in the community, and I'm very pleased to be joined by an all-star panel who will hopefully get to the bottom of these issues. We're going to get down and dirty, and we are going to debate Atom 2.0 uh, here on the Interrupt today. So let's get it started. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for joining me here uh, for this very special episode of The Interop. Um, let's uh, first get started and maybe get introductions from everybody here. And let's keep it civil, guys. Guys, let's keep it civil. <laughs> Friends here, we're all community members, and um, and hopefully we get to the bottom of this and uh, and have a constructive conversation today about Adam 2.0. Uh, starting from my left, um, Kevin. Yeah, so uh, I'm Kevin Garrison. I run Only Validator with uh, the rest of the team and uh, part of Juno Core Team, uh, Core Root Two, and. Uh, validator on the Cosmos Hub and a whole bunch of other chains and uh, part of the Cosmos community. Tricky. Hey there, Tricky from uh, Cosmos Spaces, uh, co-founder of Cosmos Spaces. Uh, we do a bunch of uh, content and community uh, building throughout the Cosmos. Uh, we also run validators uh, throughout the Cosmos. Um, and I myself uh, do uh, some BD work for uh, the Edmos team. Thank you. And just to clarify here, so you guys will be speaking as Cosmos community members, not for the Cosmos community or on behalf of the community. Um, wanted to clarify that first. Yes, all, thank you. <laughs> all of our opinions are our own. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And on my right, on my right, uh, I have two of the people who help author the Adam 2.0 white paper, uh, Sam. Please introduce yourself. Hey, um, Sam Hart. Um, <clears throat> I have a, a long history with Cosmos. I was the first hire at Interchange GmbH. Um, worked on the funding program, um, did kind of grants, core team uh, work scoping, um, done a whole bunch of work on the uh, governance system in Cosmos. Uh, I was the, the the Cosmos SDK governance product lead, um, still kind of am. And uh, and I, I and I'm the, the first author on the, the Atom 2.0 white paper. Um, I've also worked pretty extensively with Udit on cleaning up the forum and and just kind of like getting uh, getting the, the soft governance like up and running. Thank you, Udit. Hi, everybody. My name is Udit. Um, I'm from HiFi Co-op, uh, based in Toronto. Um, uh, HiFi Co-op, one of the things we do is help run the Cosmos Hub's testnet program. And actually, just a quick note that there's an incentivized testnet coming up soon, and we're going to be helping manage that as well. Uh, on the white paper side of things, uh, I'll help Sam author the governance section of the white paper. Also been involved in uh, a lot of the soft governance aspects uh, of the Cosmos Hub, including helping manage the, the forum um, for the Cosmos Hub. Thank you. So 
I'd like to start this off by getting to like the bottom, like what is at, at the heart of this debate? And maybe to contextualize, so the Adam 2.0 white paper was announced at Cosmoverse about two weeks ago. Um, it was announced as this revolutionary upgrade to the Cosmos hub that would introduce a number of important and also very interesting new features and functionalities, but also novel tokenomics. Uh, I did an episode with Zaki Mannion uh, right after he did his talk, and you can find out here on the channel um, for, for more context. Um, but yeah, let's maybe start by at a high level describing um, what, what are the important changes to Atom 2.0, and then perhaps we can get into the heart of, uh, of the governance uh, debate and all the issues that the community have, have been raising around Atom 2.0. I don't know if someone wants to take that. Maybe someone, from, maybe from the from the white paper side, since uh, yeah, we can start with either Sam or Rudy. Yeah, I can just give uh, some high level points on what the paper is trying to do. Um, so uh, there has been a an upcoming. Um, well, we, we've been working on two major upgrades uh, to the Cosmos Hub um, for you know the better part of a year now. First is interchain security, and the second is liquid staking. And, um, and those are extremely powerful features. Um, and they, they have some major kind of implications for um, the Hub and, and the wider ecosystem. And the first of which is that um, the the existing issuance model uh, does not make any sense anymore in this liquid staking regime because uh, basically liquid staking allows um, or it will kind of incentivize stakers to um, to issue these liquid staked assets and um, and use those in in DeFi use those throughout the ecosystem um, and uh, and then interchain security is this kind of like platform for building additional functionality around the hub. Um, and so we, we kind of need to catalyze uh, and more clearly define what those those things um, that are going to be built around the hub look like. So so it's kind of a, you know, it's a canvas to work on. And, um, and in order for this to be successful, uh, the, the white paper proposes a, a number of kind of additional changes. So the first is is a change to the issuance policy. Um, we move away from this existing uh, kind of two thirds stake ratio targeting, um, and we have the um, we have the ability to to basically move to a fixed issuance model. Um, and then the the other changes are basically uh, um, the addition of this uh, allocator module. Um, which is a, a system for for deploying capital and and managing capital, um, and and this is kind of to uh, to give interchain security and um, and and kind of the the integrated economy around the hub a, a leg up, and then uh, we have the the scheduler module, which my personal favorite, um, and that is basically a um, a way to monetize cross-chain, uh, the IBC economy, effectively the cross-chain um, economy. Um, 
And then uh, the, the last kind of piece, which we're going to be discussing a bunch today, is, uh, is governance system um, to effectively deploy that capital and, and just kind of like make sure that the, the hub stays in, in homeostasis. Would anybody from the community side like to add anything here? Any observations or remarks on, uh, on Sam's uh, overview of, of the upgrades to the Cosmos Hub? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So um, that that's a great breakdown, you know, and I think um, it was interesting because I, I was at Cosmoverse. I, I saw kind of the unveiling, the grand unveiling, and um, it, it was awesome. But, you know, it was a very short window of time to actually go through kind of the actuality of the white paper um, up until that point. I think a lot of people hadn't had a chance to like really dive in and, and, and understand all the different aspects of it and how it all works. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people still trying to digest it. It's, it's a very well-written white paper and, and I think it proposes like a lot of really um, interesting changes to Adam, but it, it is a shock. You know, there, there's, there's a, a big change there to what people are used to. And so naturally you have people going through, um, those adjustment phases and, and trying to understand, okay, what would this actually look like? You know, we're very used to this kind of uh, 1.0 model that most chains have adopted of, you know, some sorts of <clears throat> inflationary yield. And, um, you know, I think when the hub was originally created, there, there was a different picture for it and a different role. And that's kind of persisted over time. This is the first time that we're really seeing um, a very different model being proposed that focuses a bit more on, um, you know, real yields um, and, and arguably the, the more difficult but probably correct way to expand and accrue value over time. You know, that's kind of been the, the meme forever is like, how is Adam going to accrue value? You know, you have all these app chains that have a lot of utility, that have very specific problems that they tackle. And for a long time, the Cosmos Hub has not been the hub that it was supposed to be. And so we have this huge amount of capital that we need some way to take advantage of, right? So like Adam holders want to see number go up. They want to see more utility. Um, and ICS was kind of the first thing that we saw that is like a, a promise of a, a, a brighter future. Um, and, you know, we know that's early stages now, but even so there, you know, just as there was with IBC, there's going to be the adoption curve of that technology. And if that technology is to be successful, we need to find ways to drive its adoption to make sure that it's adopted in ways that accrue value for Atom holders. Um, you know, and I think largely the debated parts within the community are, you know, some of the finer points of, of the article, you know, and uh, maybe we didn't expect those points to be debated as, as hotly as they have been, but um, you know, things like the treasury and, and allocations and, uh, and what have you. So I think the biggest thing is that everybody, whether in the community or from wearing the hat of a validator, we just need to understand like what is the intended structure going forward, you know, in, in, in the simplest possible terms um, and how do atom holders retain autonomy and control over uh, the network and the allocations and these treasuries 
How will those structures work? How will these elections occur? So those have been sort of the most hotly kind of contended points that I've seen just in some of the different chats that have popped up and what have you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for that summary on the community side. Um, so let's talk about the issues at the heart of the debate here. So I've been spending you know, the last uh, 24 hours trying to read every forum post, every uh, tweet, um, you know, going through the Adam uh, Cosmos Hub community forum and through Twitter and like scrolling through this um, this Telegram channel, which has you know, thousands of messages and trying to get at the heart of the issues that uh, people have with this uh, with this proposal. There was also an open letter that was written by a member or members of the community, which um, takes a pretty, um, I'd say, brutal uh, approach at criticizing some parts of this paper. Uh, we'll link to all that here in the show notes. But from what I gather, it feels like the issuance model, and which is fairly closely tied to the treasury, um, seems to be the most hotly contested issue. Um, I think people are generally okay with things like liquid staking, um, generally okay with um, the idea that we could have um, an MEV, uh, MEV auctions on the hub, but it all comes down, I think, to, you know, how the issuance of uh, Adam um, evolves moving forward. And then the other thing is how is the money that goes into, into the treasury uh, spent moving forward in a way that is um, that best benefits Adam holders, but also protecting against um, misissuance of funds and things of that nature. Does that, does everybody sort of agree that that is the main uh, point of contention here? the most hotly point of uh, debate here in this uh, in this in this broad conversation I mean I would say the the Treasury or the issuance um, and and then control uh, of that resources what I kind of perceive as the, the the two main points that the community wants additional clarity on yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, one of the things I've noticed when people look at the issuance chart, you know, people get happy, so excited. They think it's it's great overall. But where they get stuck at is where the issuance goes. I think uh, the introduction of the treasury and the committee model um, to some, there's not a lot of clarity. So, you know, they're making their own assumptions with the information they have. Um, and I think it's making people feel a little uncomfortable and they're just, you know, wondering like, hey, you know, why are we sending these funds somewhere else that seems like we're not in control of? Um, so I think we kind of mentioned this before the talk, but maybe, you know, Sam and Udi, you can go you can go into uh, how the committees are formed and how the atom holders still have control over these funds. Um, and there's still accountability. There is like a system of checks and balances. Maybe it's not so clear in the paper when people first read it. Um, but I think that we're like atom holders at the end of the day are still in control of all these funds. Um, just go ahead and ask the uh, Juno whale. Uh, governance is OP. We uh, we don't let anything slide by. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think the the vision for this white paper is quite bold, and it is totally reasonable for uh, token holders and community members to ask for checks and balances. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a sketch of the governance model for 
um, Atom 2.0 that is provided in the white paper. Um, but um, it's only a sketch. And the intent was always that the, um, the exact model um, that's going to be put into place is going to be collaboratively defined with the community. And that is actually what is written in the white paper. And there's also a request in the white paper for the community to come forward and draft a charter together where we can put the checks and balances uh, in place uh, together. Um, and I have seen a number of community members pointing out um, you know, requests that they have for the types of checks and balances that they want. Um, and uh, these are things that we can put in the, in, in the charter together. Um, the important thing in my mind is to strike a good balance between you know, giving the community sufficient checks uh, over the council structure, but also not impeding the, um, the council's ability to you know, work effectively and, and you know, execute on day-to-day -day, uh, operations. Uh, and that's like really the, 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 the crux of the matter, in my opinion. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we all realize that there are people out there with knowledge and skills and expertise that should be in positions to make decisions that are best for us. You know, if, if we get in a room with, you know, all four of us, all five of us, uh, when we're in high school, plus, you know, Jack and Zaki, you know, we're going to outvote them on anything we want. But are we smarter than them? That, does that make it right? You know, so I think that, you know, we're allowing to, we're removing some roadblocks of governance and some of that friction um, to empower um, some of these groups to make decisions that are going to be um, to the benefit of all holders, um, but maybe it's decisions that we wouldn't be able to come to in the correct amount of time if we had to go through a full-on governance process. So I think that these uh, councils are actually going to be very beneficial to Adam holders and put people with the proper skills and positions to help us grow and help us move the hub forward. Yeah, I would add, actually, it's not just skills and expertise. It's actually also, in my opinion, attention and human relationships. Like you want people to have focused attention on particular aspects, particular domains of the project. And if you see the, the business model outlined in the white paper, a lot of this actually depends on human relationship. It depends on people being able to bring in the right projects, um, uh, allocate fund funding to the right projects to grow this sort of atom economic zone, right? And that can't be done without human relationships and, the, and hub governance as a whole is not, is like an large entity, right? You need individuals with, um, with, with real human kind of contact to do the business development work. So yeah, I, just, just in terms of framing, I, I think it's less about expertise and more about attention and relationships, in my opinion. Maybe just if, if we could uh, take a step back here and explain this concept of, of councils, because I've, you know, I've read this in the white paper, but also I think this is one of the things that maybe wasn't um, so clear about how this would function and also like how these councils would be elected, how they, um, how council members can rotate and, and these sorts of things. Maybe someone yeah. take that. Um, well, well, some of these details are, are definitely not described in the paper and it's, it's something that we wanted to discuss with the broader community. Um, we've kind of like highlighted a couple elements that like we should have discussions about together. Um, but uh, let me just kind of start with like, well, what, what do we have today? Like, how do we get things done today? Well, there's, there's kind of two systems in place. Like one is 
um, this this kind of development ecosystem, largely funded by by the ICF at the moment. Um, there's a bunch of core teams. Uh, there's work scoped, uh, largely uh, motivated by the core teams, proposed by the core teams, and then kind of like the ICF is giving feedback. Other other core teams are giving feedback. The community does not have a lot of visibility into that right now. So like that's definitely a major problem. And it's something that we um, we want to move more into the domain of, of the Cosmos Hub, like make that a transparent and like visible process. But there's already like an, an existing structure there. There's core teams, there's work streams, and, and there's kind of capital deployment that, that's happening behind the scenes. The other system is basically on-chain, there's a community pool. And, um, and very often there's like a, a, a community spend proposal for a specific, you know, engineering project, uh, business development project. The Prop 72 um, example is maybe the most recent. There's a multi-sig that, that gets gets funds, and then there's a set of, of kind of trusted stakeholders that are uh, performing some kind of de delegated operation. And um, basically, like, both of these things are, like, they're working, but they're kind of like less than ideal. Like the uh, the core development structure is like pretty opaque and complicated, and like you know there there isn't. It's hard to kind of like navigate, and the on chain structure is, you know, there's a lot of trust put into these entities, and then and then there, there's no way for uh, the the Cosmos Hub community to to negotiate. Uh, rates effectively, you know, it's kind of just like one-off proposal, and then, and then trust that somebody's going to do the work. Um, so, the purpose of the council system is basically to like try to solve both of those problems, like create a, a common framework, um, minimal, that brings those things together, allows the the cosmos community to to kind of get some visibility into what's going on, make suggestions about what's going on. Um, and uh, these councils are, are really kind of generic entities. Like it, it is a project or, or kind of domain specific group. Um, and, uh, and then there's this assembly, which, which is literally just all the councils together, you know? Um, and the idea is that all the councils together can, um, uh, can can try to uh, make make some collective decisions about uh, infrastructure development, capital deployment, things like that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, I've seen I've seen discussed in in the different forums and and on Twitter is this idea that governance on its own probably is not a great funding mechanism that. Uh, you, you know, and I've seen like Jay talk about this in, in the Cosmos form where essentially he says something akin to the fact that, you know, in order to uh, deploy uh, capital, like investors don't just trust some sort of a group of random people. They trust like general partners. 
entrepreneurs who have industry knowledge, um, who have connections, who have network, et cetera. And so I think that from that perspective, and certainly like as someone who you know, invests in this space and is like raising a fund in the space, it makes a lot of sense to, um, to look at things that way. However, I think the risk there specifically when spending funds that are, um, where funds that were there, there is a, a significant stakeholder uh, capture by like token holders that that there is this this feeling perhaps that those decisions are made um, in dark rooms without uh, you know the consent of the community funds may be misallocated and so um, there there is really this expectation of transparency and of um, I think community of involvement that is something that is like very very much part of crypto of the crypto ethos how do we strike a balance between these two models right like on one side the cosmos hub governance proposal model where effectively there's no um, checks or balances on whether or not things are executed or any deliverables or anything like that on funds um, allocated and the other extreme that is you know a, a committee of folks that are un unelected and uh, get to make decisions on how funds are spent What's what, how do we strike the right balance here such that all the stakeholders are um, satisfied with the outcomes, if I, that's even possible, <laughs> or at least get to some sort of you know yeah. place where most people are satisfied with the outcomes? If I could just, I, I I had a point on this, and I think Sam brought up something that's actually, I think a, a an important one, which is just the way that like things have been done traditionally, like the the Cosmos community pool is not an effective funding source for anybody. Like if you look at even the Stargaze community pool, which is a much smaller chain, um, that's very specific app chain has a larger community pool for funding than the Cosmos hub. Um, most chains do, and we're not going to get very far with 1.1 million Adam to overhaul an ecosystem. Um, so that's always been problematic is the community pool for, for the hub is just way too small. The other thing is even <clears throat> if you're larger, it's not very effective uh, funding methods. So somebody just puts a proposal up on chain. The best method that that can work out is it goes to a multi-sig and then you're trusting that multi-sig to make sure that milestones are met if they're even included. And ultimately, it's a bit of a popularity contest for funding. So how popular is the proposal? It's very easy to make something sound shiny and nice. Um, but we do need people who have some expertise in uh, project management, launching chains, um, and, and like really thorough vetting and due diligence to, to do that duty. You know, the only other funding arm has been the ICF. And, um, you know, historically, there's a, a lot, a, a large lack of trust in in the ICF, and I, I'm just mentioning that as something that is true. That's, you know, I love Zucky, um, Ethan's fantastic. Like talking to them in person, I'm I'm a big fan of them as people, but when I look at the ICF as an organization, it is very opaque. Um, there are a lot of questions around transparency and effectiveness, and whether they're doing a good job or not is almost irrelevant because people can't see it. There, there's not a visibility factor there. So I, I think, you know, if people are having uh, and taking issue with like transparency of funding and the ability to do so, that's been a longstanding problem in the Cosmos hub. And that's kind of 
kind of one of the things that I see this addressing if it's well executed and it retains its ability to be controlled through governance. Because the important thing is at the end of the day, you want Adam stakeholders to always have the ability to come in and say, hey, this isn't working for us, you know, cancel order, um, eject, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we still need to be able to put things into the public view and do these funding endeavors in a transparent way with effective capital because governance is not the most effective means of deploying capital. Yeah, I just want to say I would definitely echo that statement around transparency in the ICF. So you know, someone who's been like in Cosmos since you know before the token sale and also I think in a fairly privileged position of being close to the Tendermint team quite early on and like knowing a lot of the folks at the ICF, like even I think that it's been like kind of hard to get access to, uh, to that organization you know, at various points where I've tried to. And so I, I think that maybe some of the, um, some of the pushback on the paper, um, at least I, I feel that some of the pushback on the paper stems from that, historical like perceived lack of transparency um you know if we were in a separate like in a parallel universe where you know the icf was like a vastly more vastly more transparent organization like say orders of magnitude more transparent um maybe you know the reactions to this paper would have been different and therefore so I, I i sam maybe maybe you can you can respond to this and like maybe give your thoughts on and i know like you know ethan has also talked about how the icf is changing it's becoming more transparent um there's also an interview with ethan here on the channel if those want to check that out but yeah sam what, what, what's your um, what are your thoughts on icf transparency and how how it you know is playing out here in this debate well, a lot of thoughts um and, you know, I, I definitely bear a little bit of responsibility uh, as well, like fully, fully admit. Um, I, I was doing a lot of the ICF like strategy and, and direction um, up until relatively recently. Um, you know, there, there's two parts to this. Like one is a, a kind of path dependency of like, how did we get here with the ICF? Um, and the other is just like, what is the ICF at the end of the day? Um, so the first, the first thing is the, the primary development organization for the entire ecosystem, Tendermint, completely melted down. It is hundred percent dysfunctional. Like, hasn't produced anything of value in the last three years, four years. Like, um, it, Ignite CLI is, is cool, um, but like the contributions have been like marginal. Um, and uh, like that, that was the entity that was supposed to build the Cosmos Hub, uh, like deploy IBC, maintain the Tendermint, consensus software like that entity does not work period um and uh as a result the icf was was forced to like reconfigure itself to to actually hold those functions um and it just like was not set up to do that 
Um, so, uh, like I said, I was I was the first hire after that tenement meltdown happened at the at uh, Interchange GmbH. GmbH is fully owned subsidiary of ICF. Um, and the number one objective, the only objective, was ship IBC. Like the the whole project does not work if IBC is not there. Like every ounce of focus is like get IBC working, make sure that it's safe. And then the secondary objective was like make sure that there's like some that the net that that the network has value like that there's some economic activity happening in the network because otherwise the project is also just existentially you know doomed so um the and the the kind of capacity that we had to do that with that was was also severely limited i mean um Jay was the president of the ICF for the first two years. Um, literally didn't return a phone call in that entire time. Like we had to go through a whole bunch of red tape to, to figure out how to, uh, to reconfigure the board. Um, just everything about the ICF's kind of uh, organizational structure was like, uh, is is just not set up for for the the kind of um, execution um, that you want around a you know exponentially growing ecosystem. It um, and so you know th this kind of brings us to the second point, which is like the the overall structure of the ICF. The ICF is a Swiss uh, Stiftung. It's a um, it is a nonprofit organization that um, you know when they're doing. The, the ICF does regular reporting, but it does regular reporting to the Swiss government, you know, it, and, um, and, and that reporting is in, uh, is in German, like the, um, like the, the primary stakeholder that it's concerned about is like regulatory authorities and, um, and, uh, the, the board and like the, the member members of the ICF are like are are now at a position where they're like a little bit more equipped to to start dealing with things like the delegation policy and transparency, but like it it, it those things were just obviously super important, but they were they were just they were always the the second or third priority. And, you know, there's always like one one priority above for for, um, you know, up until this point. Um, so that, that's kind of like where we are today. And, um, and then uh, going forward, uh, the, the ICF is just like not the entity that you want, like leading the development of the Cosmos Hub. Like you want the Cosmos Hub to be leading the development of the Cosmos Hub. Like that's, that's what we want at the end of the day. That's what everybody wants. Um, and so the, the white paper is like, trying to, to sketch a path to get there. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for clearing that up. I mean, yeah, of course, like I think the, 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 the explosion or implosion of tendermint certainly put a lot of pressure um, on, on the ICF and on those teams. And, you know, there was a whole lot of uh, reorganization of like 
people like human capital to you know, reallocate that human capital effectively in a new organization, uh, the GmbH organization you mentioned at the time. Um, you know, not to make this, I, 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 you know, I, I think we could probably do like a whole episode just on like what's what's going on with the ICF and, you know, the sort of history there. Um, but I don't want to derail the conversation too much from, you know, the issue at hand here. Uh, one of the things that I think people have been really, um, you know, critical about here are like the checks and balances. And we've talked about these councils, we've talked about like uh, governance and things of that nature. Um, Udit, I, was, I wonder if you could maybe address, you know, some of the things that have been discussed in the community around how to properly have, how to have proper checks and balances on uh, allocated funds um, once, uh, once this proposal goes through. Yeah, for sure. So maybe you can first start with just like outlining the general, like what's been proposed in the white paper so far. And there are obviously considerations that we're thinking about, but are not, um, are not quite laid out yet. And these are things that we're looking for community um, input into. So um, the white paper proposes an assembly structure. Um, the assembly is made up of uh, a number of councils. Each council can delegate representatives um, that will um, represent that council in the assembly. Uh, one of the, the main kind of um, check that the community has over this council structure is um, a community council. So there is a council specifically outlined in the white paper for representatives of the community to have sort of day-to-day, -day, um, you know, the, the, the community's voice and um, uh, the, like be the community's like eyes and ears into the assembly structure. So they can have more sort of like day-to-day -day oversight over the councils. Um, the, the other thing that the community has is the ability to develop this charter, uh, which, which sets, um, which, which um, encodes all the sort of checks and balances that we're talking about here. Um, ultimately, um, all assembly proposals are, um, are they hold into Adam Holder veto. So, the, so Adam Holders can always veto a proposal for uh, that's made to the assembly. Adam Holders also have the ability to both onboard and offboard the uh, the councils. So every time there's a new council proposed, Adam holders can decide if that council should be included within the assembly uh, or not. And they also have, similarly, they also have the ability to offboard um, a, a, a council. Um, the things that we kind of need to figure out is, you know, we don't want a system where Adam holders can, um, um, where you know th there's work being done, there's good work being done, and there's like um, uh, there's a governance vote to offboard a council there, and there isn't quite enough sort of uh, a graceful transition period to move that effort into um, uh, another group of people who can take it over. So those are the, the types of things we're thinking about right now. It's like how do we ensure this graceful, graceful transition between one council to another? Um, um, how, how do we ensure that you know the people who are kind of doing the work have some amount of grace time to uh, continue doing their work and transition off that work to, to, to somebody else? Other things we're thinking about are 
um, you know, setting up uh, eligibility criteria for uh, membership into the councils. These are things that can be encoded in the charter. Um, uh, disclosure of conflicts of interests. Um, you know, these are things that can be encoded in the charter as well. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the way we're thinking about it. Uh, Kevin, tricky. Uh, would you like to respond uh, from the community side? How how are these councils been um, perceived from the community, and what are the, some of the uh, some of the sort of points of contention here about how this is being proposed, or ways that ways this could potentially go wrong? I I think maybe this is just me. I, I get confused on it, maybe just because of the terminology and and I could just be stupid um, and that's totally fine. But I, I sort of look at it and I go like, I know at least the Juno way that we have things where it's like we have DAOs and we have sub DAOs and there's the Juno network, which is like the, the, the parent DAO, which has ultimate control over everything. Underneath that, we have sub DAOs, which like for Juno, this would be the Juno growth fund. Um, so if we put something up and the Juno community doesn't like it, they have full like coded control over everything. So they could dissolve the DAO, they can cancel funding, um, they can change membership if somebody goes rogue, things like that. So I think the biggest thing that I've seen is just sort of a bit of a confusion over council and maybe some of the community feels like... Um, you know, there's a kingmaker who's just going to come in and go, these five people are over, you know, all of the allocations and these five people are all over the business development and good luck, you know, and you've got to pass mm -hmm. a, a horrible proposal to change anything. So maybe it's for me, it's just understanding like, okay, if I'm an atom holder mm -hmm. and I see, um, you know, for the sake of argument, Sam, you're, you're on, you're on a, a, a council and you decide that, you want to fund a project that is like the, the worst project that's ever been conceived of and you want to spend $10 billion on it, right? Um, you know, it's your cousin's laundry uh, service and you think it's going to be great. And we all go, hey, you're out of your mind. We want you out. What is the recourse that an atom holder has in a situation like that? Yeah. Um, there's a car alarm going off in my background. So <laughs> it's not too bad. Well, first of all, um, if if Sam proposes this council, uh, to begin with, Kevin, you as an atom holder can vote for this council to not even be onboarded. Okay. To not even exist. Um, and secondly, you can always vote as a council, uh, as an atom holder to offboard this council, put a put a vote forward to to offboard this council. The things that you cannot do are pick individual members of the council. And say, hey, we want to, we want to, you know, fire this person, and that's mostly because we want to kind of limit the atom holder's ability to kind of micromanage the day to day operations of the council. Uh, but council as a whole, you can uh, you can off board and on board. And can the council vote to remove a member if, like, yes, we voted, yeah. 11 people in and the majority of them go, Hey, you know, this person's being ineffective in their position or they just can no longer do the job. Can they swap them out? Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Yeah. The couple additional details here. So, um, agree. The naming is 
is uh, maybe confusing at first. The, it was intentional. So the with the the next SDK up, uh, upgrade of 046, um, natively in all Cosmos chains, you're going to be able to make DAOs, which is mind blowing. I mean, it's going to change the game. Um, uh, shout out to Gregory, who's in the, the audience here, um, who's been helping with this. Um, and and yeah, so any group of people is going to be able to spin up a DAO, effectively, um, a, a group multisig. And and so we need some way to distinguish between DAOs and like and and some kind of uh, explicitly delegated entity, um, not because there's going to be a lot of DAOs. And, but these are going to be the ones that are like blessed by by the the atom community, basically. Like, um, so the idea is that okay, you know, all of us are um, we're going to spin up a DAO. Uh, we're we're maybe going to to do like some public goods funding or something like that together. We you know we we think that there needs to be more Cosmos podcasts in the world, and um, and we all contribute some funds to it. Well. Uh, we can go and do that uh, autonomously, uh, and you know maybe six months in, we're like, okay, like we're doing a good job. Um, it would be it would be great to get a little bit of Cosmos Hub support from this, um, Treasury support from this, and and so now we apply uh, to to get that uh, that that kind of delegation um, from the uh, from. The, the council community. Um, so and and so we put up a governance proposal that's like, hey, this is what we've done as a as a DAO. We'd like to become a council, and, and this is kind of like the rate that we're thinking is what we're going to do with it. And that would that would be the onboarding process. Is like, okay, we're going to kind of formalize our relationship to the um, the, the treasury Adam community and and uh, and the treasury specifically. So in a way they are DAOs, but it's like, you could say it's like, this is a special DAO. This is core to the structure of the Cosmos hub. And that's yeah. really the biggest differentiator is just like, we're making the differentiation through these names that this is core to the function of the hub. And it's like a hub hub entity. Yeah. One, there's, there's also a little bit of nuance here. So there is a council that already exists. It's this consensus council that's like working on Tenement, right? There's a, there's a blog post about it recently. Um, and this is um, like, this is something that we really want on the hub as a community. Like uh, we want to make sure that like the, this product public good is like available for the entire ecosystem. And um this is not something that like the Cosmos Hub owns, you know, like th these are people from all different organizations, like all different chains, but we, we want to like give them a home on the hub. And so th that means that like they will maybe be accepting funds from other projects that like want specific features in, in Tenderment. Um, and this is also one of the reasons that they need to self-manage. Like the hub can't just be like, hey, you you know, this other person from another chain, like you're no longer on, on the consensus council anymore. Like this needs to be an autonomous entity in order for that, that entity to feel kind of like safely housed on the hub. So regarding, regarding this update, uh, just side note here, when you say that there's going to be DAOs on the hub, 
are these just effectively just multi-sig addresses or are they more elaborated? Yeah, they're, they're whatever people want. I mean, it's permissionless. Down I mean, this down. is already possible, right? I mean, you, we can already create uh, multi-sig addresses at the layer one, like with the SDK, it's, it's just not very well implemented. It just, from the it just sucks doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. If you've ever done it, it's, it's almost, yeah, it, it's, I have done future. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is a pain in the ass. So they um, should, they should really make it 10 times easier, hundred times easier. Yeah. And not only that, um, the, the kind of like level of integration with the like the objective I mean, this is actually the, the product work that i've been doing for the last like two years um mm. the these like modules that you keep hearing about interchain accounts uh the changes to the gov module that allow for arbitrary messaging groups all of these actually like auth z all these come together into like a composable system where you can just build kind of like whatever governance model you want so yeah like, and, and that's actually some of what's sketched in the papers. Like, hey, like we have all these facilities, like we can we can build like kind of higher order structure now um, and and be a little bit more kind of thoughtful with how we're uh, self-governing um, the hub itself. Okay. Just one question here before, because I, I realized we also want to talk about the allocator and the scheduler and there's other things also I want to discuss. But um, with regards to this council, these council formations, so these will be multi-sig, so uh, basically just multi-sig accounts that will have funds and then um, there will be some sort of voting mechanism to um, to allocate those funds. Can we talk about like the sort of civil resistance of these DAOs? Because like unless we have kind of like vetted addresses or KYC addresses where we know that like this address belongs to this person or this Twitter account or whatever, um, you know, there, there are like civil attack. There's potential for civil attacks here or for like some sort of um, social engineering attack where essentially someone claims to be like a group of people, but in fact, they're just the same person. Um, can, can you address some of the issues here? I, I don't know if this has been talked about in the community, but it just feels to me like something that needs to be uh, addressed either from like a social coordination perspective or from like a technical perspective. Although I don't know that we have the technical um, frameworks to do this kind of like identity verification at a decentralized level. Yeah. Um, it's super important question. I would say it's like both harder and simpler than you make it out to be like the, um, like general civil resistance is obviously like incredibly hard and, um, and doing it at scale is, is incredibly difficult. Um, but we're, we're not necessarily talking about a super scaled system. Like there, there might be. 10 councils or tens of councils or something like this. And, um, and we have the ability to like do podcasts like this and like have community members, you know, have one-on-one -on -one interactions. And like uh, th there is um, <laughs> they're real like human relationships that were that we're kind of talking about at the end of the day. And, and, um, and so I, I think that there's um, creating like a, the perfect automated system is, is going to be really challenging and, and, you know, maybe we should work towards additional automation, but um, 
I, I think it's totally fine for like a council, to everybody to get up on, on a Twitter space or a podcast or whatever. And even if you're like a pseudo anon person, like you can still kind of speak about your positions and, and, you know, talk about kind of your capabilities and, and, uh, visit, you know, just kind of like what you're trying to do. Um, and, and I think that that, um, we are talking about a kind of human scale system, um, that, uh, that has a, a kind of like manageable degree of, um, of kind of human verification that, that we can do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think there is a certain amount of human verification, but I think there is still a risk. Like there, there is always a risk that like these things, like the system could be exploited somehow. Like, you know, um, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility to have like a, um, an entity or a person that would, uh, claim to be like a group of a non of a non people, but in fact they're just like one person. Um, so actually, the the community council that is proposed in the white paper should be actually tasked with doing some of this due diligence work and making re recommendations to the community about whether the um, the this a proposal for a new council um, has ha is sufficiently vetted and feels like you know. Um, it is civil resistant enough and so on. Um, those are the types of things that the community council sh can and should be doing. Let's, um, let's please, move on please here. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that our, was that our endorsement, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I guess somebody wants us someone, to run. Someone in the comments is suggesting that Kevin uh, should be president of the hub 2024. So I, I consider this the of your, beginning of your campaign. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. Let's form a council to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> let's, let's move on here to the allocator and the scheduler. We haven't spent yeah. a whole lot of time on those. Um, yeah. Should we start with the allocator or, or, or is this like one topic that we, that we just need to like batch together? Um, I mean, I, I think that, work as a holistic system, in my opinion. Um, yeah, let me give, give a rundown. Um, I mean, I, I guess let's start by saying it, it is cool that uh, by and large, these are not issues that seem to be like contentious in the ecosystem. Like we've, <laughs> the things are just, that we're talking about are like details and like everybody's like, yeah, allocator, scheduler, sounds great. Like, let's go. Devil's in the details, um, man. Uh, but like we've moved past this, this like the hub has no value mechanism, has no purpose. Like we've jumped straight to like specific details into like how things implementation, um, which I which just acknowledge is I think a really good good thing. Um, but yeah, the um, so scheduler start there. Uh, We've been developing interchain security. Um, interchain security is a an instrument. Um, it is a technology for um, scaling a chain, um, adding additional functionality to a chain. It says nothing about what the functionality should be. Um, and yeah, I, I'm of the personal opinion that interchain security is largely going to be commoditized. Like. Uh, other chains are already talking about using interchain security, mesh security, like 
these are all um, uh, the interchain security is not like a uh, a moat um, that that the hub has available, and so the what we want, what the hub wants to do, what the hub should be doing is trying to corner a scarce resource. And that resource, like the, the most valuable resource is, uh, is block space at a specified time. Um, like th this is something that is incredibly uh, important, particularly as the, the ecosystem scales. And it's also something that, that should scale with the the kind of size of the, the IBC economy, which is like, that's like an incredibly powerful um, concept. So um, the schedulers is, is a kind of way for um, the, the Cosmos Hub to offer uh, or kind of create a marketplace uh, that is unforkable and, um, and in a non-coercive way, like offer value to the entire ecosystem, provide value back to that ecosystem, and at the same time profit. Um, so uh, I think there's a lot of super cool stuff that's going to be built on top of Scheduler. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm like really excited about uh, talking to, to teams about this. Um, so anyway, like that, it's kind of a, a way for the interchain security product to uh, to have a moat and, and actually like do this kind of in line with like the the philosophy of the hub, like this non-coercive, like sovereign interoper sovereign interoperability um, mentality. That's one. The allocator um, is a a way for you know the 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 world that we're moving into that's that's kind of implied by interchain security already is that there are going to be multiple sovereign entities that are interacting with each other, right? And so there, there needs to be like some mechanism of like gluing these things together, creating um, multi-party relationships. Uh, and that is what the allocator is intended to do. You basically, you're able to create a, um, you know, incentivized, instead of compatible, uh, multi-chain contract with, um, you know, the, that allows for things like a token, a token swap, um, a a kind of long-term service agreement, um, uh, and, um, and and basically a way for the hub to to kind of like economically connect to these peripheral entities. So, uh, interchain secured zones is like the kind of obvious first um, cohort that, that should be addressed, uh, but it could really be anyone, uh, any entity that's that's kind of IBC connected. What on the community side? Uh, what have been some of the um, some of the uh, points of contention here with uh, the allocator and uh, and scheduler uh, modules? I haven't seen very many um, sort of big issues being raised, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just missing those. But tricky. You want to take this? Yeah, um, I think going through some of the uh, comments, um, one of the big like the only real concern is whether MEV is is good. Um, some people are still against MEV, um, but I think also some people kind of brought up a, a little bit of a good point of like maybe, uh, what's up, Soy? Uh, maybe putting the allocator and the scheduler through some sort of like a test run or test net, um, you know, like ensuring that it does work as intended, um, especially in the long run. Um, it would, you know, 
be, you know, unfortunate to use the allocator and scheduler and start deploying all of this capital on these funds and to find out that maybe there's something wrong with it. And I think that's maybe some of the, the only concerns I've seen. Um, I think for the most part, you know, people are actually pretty excited about this because I think, you know, when you break it down, like, you know, the, uh, uh, the allocator seems like token swaps with like an ohm fork, you know, on steroids, you know, it, it's really cool. Um, the way that can happen. And then I think with the scheduler, um, with MEV and block space, like I think everybody, you know, like Sam, you explained, like block space at, at any given point in time is going to be very valuable. And so like one of the questions I had, so like you said, it can be, it can serve the wider IBC um, ecosystem. So can like Juno, Osmosis, Evmos, can they come to the hub um, and be a part of the scheduler and offer block space that anybody can settle on? Or do you have to settle on uh, the hub or said chain that you were on, that you were uh, secured by. Yeah, um, I guess I'll address that that last point first. Um, so yes, any of those chains could uh, participate in this this marketplace, uh, but they also don't have to. Hundred percent optional. Like that's the way that the hub is going to operate. You know, moving forward, like there's no coercion. You do not need to use this thing. But if it provides value, like please, like you know, enter into in, into this kind of shared marketplace. Um, I, I think that there's super cool stuff that you can do with it. Like you you can do timed IBC interactions with each other. So like uh, at this specific moment, we want things to trigger at the same time. So kind of like alarm clock, uh, cross chain interactions, um, uh, and uh, and, and then, of, of course, you can, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of kind of financial, um, uh, you know, applications that could be built on top, <clears throat> as well as, uh, uh, um, as well as things that uh, improve privacy and, and improve um, uh, the, or actually minimize MEV at the end of the day. So uh, one of the, the projects that was announced in, um, at Cosmoverse was a collaboration with with Fairblocks. Um, Fairblocks is going to use interchain security, and um, and this is basically like a transaction encryption service, which should reduce MEV. Um, and you can combine this with scheduler. So like, not only um, uh, you know not only can you schedule these cross chain transactions, but but you could make sure that they're encrypted and and like actually. Uh, Providing, um, you know, customers with with best ex best execution um, and and the kind of like most minimally extractive, um, uh, you know, order routing. Um, should I go into your other question, or I feel like I've been talking for a little while? <laughs> um, okay, you're you're talking about the uh, the allocator. Um, so, and I think the main point was, was, was about, uh, the degree of commitment that we, that we want to make to this. Um, so both of these systems can, and, and really should be built on interchain secured zones, um, at least the kind of core logic should. And I, I think they're really, um, uh, we can kind of like modulate the, the hub and the, the, the treasuries like interaction with them. So I, I definitely see this being, uh, you know, 
pilots and trials and and kind of like if those are working kind of increase the, the available resources that that was sort of the biggest point that that i've seen and and also what i've chatted most about with like zaki and and everyone and talked about in these chats there, there's you know people who are obviously a lot more conservative and and you know there's always going to be people who are just like this is a terrible idea burn it um but there's i would say a great number of people who very reasonably want to see this system implemented but have uncertainties and doubts because of unknown variables things that we just can't determine right now so um you know zaki's mentioned that he's in favor of like a slower rollout and smaller allocations in the beginning um you know and, and being a little bit more conservative at the outset to like create a proof of concept which i definitely agree with um you know i think that it needs to be enough that like we can actually see if this will be effective with larger amounts like it can't be um you know here's a million bucks go you know create interchange security ecosystems that are beautiful like it's just not going to happen but you know, at the same time, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, uh, tail issuance and all these things going towards a single treasury, like people go like, oh, that's a lot all at once. So I think it would actually help a lot in getting this passed through governance to go, hey, this is the long term goal. But, you know, here's our first milestone with this paper, and this is how we want to prove this proof of concept to the community to make everybody feel more comfortable. Yeah, I feel that this is this is something that was missed in the paper and, you know, the the rollout details. And I feel like a lot of the concerns and maybe the pushback on the paper would have been um, would have been significantly reduced had there been a more long sort of long-term uh, nuanced uh, approach to rollout that have been um, detailed in the paper. Um, you know, I, I echo the sentiment of, uh, you know, the uh, open letter uh, author um, also, uh, you know, my, my co-founder over at Epicenter, uh, Brian Crane tweeted that um, the, the rollout should be more, should be seen as a progressive rollout and we should vote on, on things uh, piece by piece rather than, uh, you know, a single uh, big upgrade or. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like this is, this is something that needs to be uh, maybe like someone needs to basically like have a roadmap and say, here are, here are the goals. Like here's the long-term goal. Here's where we're going to try to hit. Um, but like any plan, uh, plans can always change depending on, you know, immediate variables. So if like one thing gets rolled out that doesn't really work or like actually um, doesn't end up like fulfilling its goals, then we need to reevaluate. And so uh, I feel like this is really important for the long term um, you know, success of, of this project. Yeah. Um, totally hear that. Uh the, the yeah my kind of initial response like there's a bit of a rhetorical thing like the white paper a good white paper like needs to needs to bring the vision it's about the vision like and 
uh, inevitably there's going to be details that are changed. If you look back into the Bitcoin white paper, like there are things that are not implemented in Bitcoin. Um, and that yeah, was the number I, one thing that the hub was missing is yeah. the vision. And like it, so the objective was to bring a holistic vision that, that fits together as a whole. Um, and so this is why I'm, I'm against uh, breaking up the white paper itself into separate sections. However, the implementation absolutely will be broken up in sections, like no question. This is going to be a multi-year rollout. And at every step of the way, the community is going to have the ability to say, no, this is not what we're looking for here. But the, mm. the paper proposal is a signaling proposal. It is all it's doing is saying, this is the new North star that we're, that we're looking, you know, that we can kind of agree on. And we're going to work together to kind of figure out um, details and uh, and make adjustments together. I, I can say what what uh, I have you know a, a good degree of confidence would happen if the um, the white paper proposal is uh, is approved in the first year or so. Um, would that be helpful? Um, so. Kind of as I mentioned at the very beginning, um, interchain security, liquid staking, already in flight, right? Um, like interchain security is supposed to go online. I mean, it's in testnets now. It's supposed to go online Q1, um, and there are going to be a number of liquid staking providers that are going to come online um, as interchain security is launched. I mean, Stride is already online, uh, but there, you know, there's a kind of host of others that um, that are going to be important players, and um, and the the first step is to, to just kind of like watch that happen and observe and like kind of make sure that that's that's all being executed safely. Um, in the meantime, uh, the community should be. Well, uh, we can kind of do a lot of planning, um, and the the um, community should be kind of working on a um, a charter. We're already working on one, um, and we want to kind of invite feedback on that uh, relatively soon. Um, so, so there's kind of these soft governance processes, the processes that can unfold uh, simultaneously, and then um, once we see uh, a degree of adoption with liquid staking and we we feel like it's safe uh, at that point uh, we we kind of there's a window to um, to change the issuance policy so the the issuance and this kind of proto um, assembly council and assembly structure uh, would be the first step um, and we absolutely want like uh, checks and balances on that, like restrictions. Um, we want to uh, to make sure that that's kind of um, paced in a way that the community is comfor comfortable with. Um, and uh, and then kind of having done that safely, we, we can think about um, the, the deployment of these, uh, you know, the, the scheduler and the allocator as, as kind of um, secondary processes. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hear that. I 
I don't know if it I don't know if the comparison to Bitcoin is is a correct one. When the Bitcoin white paper was released, you know, there were a handful of people reading this and the implementation was done in very close quarters. Whereas here we're talking about a community of like tens of thousands of people and um value that has already accrued to those token holders who have invested in this project, you know, like emotionally but also financially and with their sort of time and sweat. Um I, yeah, I, I, I think that I, I just feel that I, there's there's an there's an there's an alternate universe in which the rollout plan uh or you know this this kind of idea that this would be rolled out over over some time could have been more effectively communicated or there could be more transparency around what the ambition there was such that such such as the concerns of people around like some sort of a i don't want to say like takeover but like some sort of forced um implementation of this of this um effectively i think like you know people who are have concerns here feel that this was kind of decided and uh, that there's there's not a whole lot of like discussion to be having any longer, even though that's happening. Like that is, I think, like some of the perception um, around this. You know, hence this this conversation. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. Know, maybe on the community side, we can just get reaction to this, and then I, I do want to. There's one last thing we want to talk about, which is yeah. issuance. Yeah, yeah, I. Oh, go ahead, Tricky. I'll just say, um, Sam. I think it's important to realize kind of what you pointed out that like this initial you know, white paper is just a signaling text prop. It's not like we're committing to all these changes to be hard coded in right away. Um, and it's going to be like a phase rollout plan where, like you said, each time we have an upgrade with a vote for each phase, you know, the community has a chance to say, Hey, we're, we don't think this is working. You know, maybe it's time we reassess and stop. So I don't think that this is kind of like a, everything's already decided and, you know, there's nothing we can do type thing. I think like Sam pointed out, like it's the goal of the paper was to give the complete vision, you know, and then from there, you know, it gives us some direction um, and some guidance to, you know, start pushing forward. Um, so I hope people don't think it's kind of like, hey, this is it and we're done and see it sayonara, like things are happening. You know, no, like we're going to have the the checkpoints in at each time to hold teams, account hold people accountable and also make changes when we need to and be flexible. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Zachy's talk at Cosmoverse could have just had like this big signaling proposal draft watermark kind of like <laughs> spread across the thing. And then the paper itself could also have like a watermark that says like idea draft signaling proposal up for community discussion. Um, you know, like, I, I will be the first to admit, like we didn't we didn't roll it out perfectly. There's there's like stuff that it definitely could have been executed more effectively i also like will freely admit like i was held up writing the paper and i was like okay you all like whatever make some slides like <laughs> like other there there's like other entities that were thinking about like presentation and and how this is going to go um so yeah i mistakes were made um but yeah importantly like we're not talking about the hub having no value anymore like get yeah <laughs> like like which is great like that's a great thing to to come of this i think you know people have been screaming about atom value accrual for a long time myself included and you know it's it's long felt like <laughs> 
truthfully, every chain, but the cosmos hub was doing something. And, um, you know, it's like, Oh, is it going to be base money? No. Is it going to be a hub? No. Okay. So then what is it, you know? And, and now we have like a vision of something that it could be that looks like it will work and that we have a chance to like actually grow with not just for the hub, but the entire ecosystem. Cause it lets us interface with new chains like the USDC chain. That's a huge deal. Like it's a huge deal. Um, and that's kind of like an, an, an early win. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to just say one thing and I know Seb, you want to move on to the next thing, but just on the point of governance is when this does hit on chain, um, I, I do think it's really important, like just as validators who are voting on this and listening to the community, it needs to be included in that signaling proposal that this is the broader vision and North star that things can change and that the implementation is negotiable um, over time, but that we have like a guiding concept and an understanding that like, this is okay to change. Um, you know, it will be rolled out gradually. And I just think doing that in like plain uncomplicated English so that like every atom holder, you know, at any level can understand it really easily is going to be super, super important to making it passable. So that's like my, one like worry, I guess it's just it, sometimes with like the white paper is very technical, which is great because it like gets into a lot of the nuance, but like just having a very, very like nice breakdown with like a basic roadmap and an understanding that this is a rollout that can change along the way will help a lot. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's, that's right. We definitely um, had some documents like this at, when we started. And when I showed some initial things, they're like, you know, the feedback I got, it was like, whoa, 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 this is like cart before the horse here. Like, you know, we're, we're thinking about rollout plan. Like we're not even getting like, let's get on board with the vision. So yeah, it, it's important to think that, like, <laughs> you can't please everybody, I guess. No, no, totally. And, and we're at the phase now where we like see what the great idea is. And now we are talking about like, okay, well, what's the cart, you know, and what is the horse and where is it going and all of that. So I think it's good that we're having these discussions and getting to these points. And I also want to just like, thank you guys for engaging in it and being a part of the process, talking to the community, like that telegram chat is wild. Um, and yeah, keep up. <laughs> but it's good that it's happening. I would you know, give a small nudge to like, please use the form. Like, uh, totally. If you, if you look, I, I don't know how many I, I know it said you were you're around for this but like if you look at some of if you look at like the decision making that came about or that, that kind of led to the gravity decks being on the hub almost all of that was in telegram and i don't think half of people could even find that at this point like and and i think a lot of people agree that that like maybe wasn't the best strategic decision so like how are we as a community going to reflect on our decision-making capability and like learn from these things if we, if we literally can't even go back and see what we were doing. Um, so yeah. the, the form is super, super important. And let's please make sure that like, you know, important details are, are captured there so that we can go back and look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, it's I, I agree. That's serving true. It's yeah. like a filter. It's like, yeah. here's a bunch of really, crappy ideas here's a bunch of pretty good ones here's a couple great ones and it's like great let's filter that to 
the forum so that we have, you know, an, an actual record of things. We have that archival resource and, you know, everyone can kind of have a standard communication hub around governance, I think is obviously important. Some of the conversations in that, in that Telegram channel have actually been pretty productive and very interesting. And I think if there's anybody in this who's listening, who's part of that Telegram channel, you do a great service to everybody by just like going through that Telegram channel, pulling out those important bits and moving them into a comment in the forum. I think that would be super valuable. Um, there's yeah. a discussion that's been started around the charter in particular. If there are specific things that people want to request to be included in the in the charter, I think that's that's a great venue to place those suggestions uh, into in the forum. But there, so here's the... you know, the thing that I think is a little bit unfortunate is like there's now a proposal on the hub. You know, this um, this kind of like counter proposal document, and I and I I feel like that was very um, you know, that was kind of discussed in the telegram and, and maybe like the telegram was used as a placeholder for the forum. And now there's no posts on the forum. There's no like discussion available for that document on the forum. So it's like, that's the thing I want to avoid is like, yeah, now, now we're not talking to each other anymore. Like we're like, we've separated these spaces and, and that's not how you have like a, a dialogue. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that, that, uh, documents pretty unhinged. It makes a couple good points in there. Uh, it's also like a lot of just, it, it's pretty wild. Um, it's, we issued a no with veto vote on it because it's like we're trying to kill something that isn't even on chain yet. And there's just a lot of, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's spammy. Um, and it's just not the, the this is not, uh, the way that governance should be done. So like for me as, as on the other side of this, like if we go fully to the other end of the spectrum, like this is also not okay to do things like this where you're coming in and trying to kill an ongoing discussion that is being had between a bunch of the core team and the surrounding entities around the hub and the community before anything can actually be discussed, worked out and adjusted. So, um, and, you know, fortunately that's like very much, the leading vote, it seems to be consensus that that's like not a cool way to do things. So I hope we can avoid that in the future. Yeah, I, I think this is like one of the, probably one of the core issues with governance is like, what is the proper form? And I feel like um, the form is wherever people want to have those discussions. And so uh, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, some people want to have those discussions on Telegram because that's how they that's how they want to, you know, like that is the form where they feel more most comfortable to have conversations. And then some people are more comfortable in like having like long form uh, thoughts uh, and like formulating long form uh, thoughts into a forum post. And um, yeah, I mean, like then it's down to like, like Uda said, right. It's down to community leaders and community sort of like managers uh, to, um, to sift through that stuff and then, you know, extract the the nuggets and make it into a more like archival form. Um, I don't know that we're going to come to consensus around, you know, 
what is the right place to be having these conversations. They're going to happen wherever people are having them. You know, like if I'm having a conversation in my backyard uh, about this stuff and like we come to some realization, like it's too bad it didn't happen on the forum, but that's just, that's just where the conversation happens to have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's we're, we're running pretty long here. I think we're going to try to go to an hour and a half. If you guys are all up for it, but I do want to talk about the, uh, issuance that has been one big point of concern and certainly a point of concern of this counter proposal. Um, lots of folks also on the forums and on Twitter have been talking about the issuance um, claiming that it dilutes atom holders um, that the, you know, the atom holder is effectively paying a tax. Um, some have also, you know, suggested that the ICF should, and certainly people in this uh, chat uh, have been talking about this as well, that the ICF should front uh, some of the uh, the financing here because the ICF is sitting on a significant amount of, of, of money. Um, maybe starting on the community side uh, for this one, um, can you summarize uh, a little bit of the conversation around uh, the issuance and what are the, what are the main points of concern? Yeah, I mean, people hate taxes. I mean, that's... Um... You know, so anytime anyone says that, it's like it sends up the flags and, and you know, um, people don't like being diluted either, um, though I'm not convinced that this is like effectively dilution. I mean, to some extent, absolutely. Like there is an element of that. You can't deny that like putting a large amount of tokens into a treasury, which uh, were not previously there and have to be kind of created. There, There is a form of dilution there. But, um, you know, the real question is, I mean, inflation is kind of delusionary too, right? Like the people who have more are going to receive more inflation than those who have less. So it's like, yeah, we could look at this in a, in a number of different ways. The, the question is really, where do we want to put those resources? Um, and I think that there's a balance between like, what is the right thing, which is putting funding towards building while also keeping enough inflationary rewards there to like keep people happy on a gradual scale. So it's like, I see the tail issuance thing. If that's like a sticking point, like just ditch it. You know, it's not, it's not a big enough thing to like stick up an entire project on and an entire overhaul. So I think it's like, if, if we're going to look at, okay, if the community really, really wants this and it's not super, super important to this, like maybe we just go, great. That's something that we're willing to give up. And, and we recognize that's really important to people and, you know, say la vie. Tricky, Sam, Udit, any response? Tricky, I'll let you go. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a tough it's a tough one. You know, I think you ask yourself like, is the main issue um, with these atom tokens being, you know, minted that they're going to a treasury and not necessarily the community pool? Um, I think it's you know the end game. I think is pretty good. You know, at the end of the day, we don't want there to be much inflation on atom. And we can use all these other interchain secured zones that are, you know, having a coin that's minted and inflated to, you know, supplement that. And at the end of the day, if the treasury is doing its job right, the interchain secured zones that are giving us these tokens won't be, you know, quote unquote, you know, shit coins. They will be uh, valuable tokens that will still hold value that whether you want to sell them or keep them and continue to, you know, build up your portfolio. Um, I don't think that it's, going to be as bad as uh, some people think it's going to be. 
Um, I think that they're just, you know, used to their APR they're getting on Adam and it's a safe investment to, you know, stake and just, you know, get yield. Um, but I think this just kind of turns that up on its head where we're not, you know, worried about inflating our coin to a million. Um, we're going to use inflation to fund a war chest to really uh, make it worth the Adam holders time uh, to stake, to be a part of the Cosmos community um, and invest in these consumer chains. Um, so I think that um, there's some negotiation to be had. I think that, you know, like these numbers that were put out there are put out there for a reason, but they're not set in stone. And I think that people just have to come with a cohesive argument and reasons why, and we can make that happen. Um, but one thing I did want to point out about that uh, prop that they put up, uh, you can definitely confirm that uh, Adam holders are undercover uh, Bitcoin maxis because it says <laughs> read it all or stay poor. <laughs> so that was uh, that was at least one funny part about that that uh, proposal. Cool. I'll I'll respond. Um, so the. Yeah, the, there's one kind of point about the treasury and like the mental model around the treasury that I think is pretty important that I've been trying to promote, but maybe isn't like fully socialized. And that's that like these, the tokens that are in the treasury are like, that is not part of the float. Like that's not part of the, the tokens that are available for public trading. Like, so, um, so that's not, uh, you know, going to have the same price impact as just dumping them onto the market. Um, and not only that, but th these are tokens that are in control of the Cosmos community and ultimately of the, of the Atom holders. So Atom holders can veto anything that the Treasury is doing, um, and and so that and that means that they could just hold on to them. You know, indefinitely, if, uh, if the Cosmos Hub chooses to do so, um, the Treasury is like at these discretionary uh, resources uh, that can be deployed by the Cosmos Hub community, um, and uh, you know, it, it's important to have a substantial Treasury for a number of reasons. Um, one is uh, that. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, there's definitely a symbolic element that's, I think, uh, not unimportant. Um, but th there's also just, um, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to use the, the treasury um, that, that don't even dilute um, atom holders at the end of the day. Um, so you can, you can borrow against it, use, uh, use it as collateral. Um, and uh, it, it's really just resources available for deployment. Um, and that also means available for non-deployment. Um, so it, it is pretty different than, uh, you know, issuance and immediate sale. Um, th that's not kind of what's happening here. One of the reasons that, one of the other reasons that this is important is the issuance model change. So we're radically reducing issuance and um, and that means that uh, the community pool is not going to be receiving the same kind of level of, of uh, atom rewards from, from issuance. 
Um, and so we, we kind of need to think about uh, the resources required uh, at, at the beginning to like, to achieve this project that we're, that we're endeavoring on together. Um, and, and, and so basically like the, the purpose is to jumpstart this, this economic loop. Um, we want Adam to be the currency in order for Adam to be the preferred reserve currency. You need Adam, you know, to, to kind of integrate into the larger ecosystem. And we want to do that in a way that's always, uh, you know, high ROI for the, the Cosmos hub and, um, and, you know, do it in, in a, the kind of most like pr precise and, and strategic way possible. Um, and so that's where, you know, the allocator comes in. Uh, I guess one last point, um, the, or like, I've definitely been trying to collect and, and understand all the, the kind of community feedback, community views. Um, been talking to, to Zaki and, and a bunch of the other paper authors. Like we hear the community and like, and I think we're gonna, we're gonna try to make some adjustments that like, that really uh, that kind of address the, the key questions. Um, the, the tail issuance, for instance, um, it was always kind of the intention that like the, the treasury can deploy resources as it sees fit. And so like directing those resources back to the distribution module, stakers and validators, like always on, it was kind of always on the table, but like, we're gonna make that a little bit more explicit. Like that could be a parameter in the system where like atom holders can choose to, to direct the tail issuance. I think that's like totally fair. And, you know, kind of spelling that out more explicitly. Like, I, I think, satisfies a lot of people's concerns. Um, and then the, uh, we're also talking about, um, you know, a kind of staged uh, checkpoint, like tranching system that, that gives uh, Adam holders kind of additional confidence. Um, and, um, and yeah, just doesn't, maybe do it all in one go, but, but allows some, some additional checks to, to be put in place for, um, for the community to kind of like see that things are, are, are going the way that they expect. Udi, do you have anything to add here? Yeah. One final point just to add to what Sam was saying and responding to a point that Tricky made about the community pool. I think, I think this was mentioned earlier, like why isn't this, these tokens going into the community pool. Um, I, I think the best way to understand it is to look at kind of what happened in Prop 72, where these um, tokens were um, um, allocated to a multi-sig to go and uh, conduct business development efforts on behalf of the hub. In the future, we imagine more of these efforts being required, uh, and particularly when these allocator DAOs come, uh, come live. Um, and the idea with the council system is really to make these th this type of effort become more accountable and transparent to uh, atom holders uh, as a whole. So, in fact, uh, you know, if the intent of moving into the community pool is to give more oversight, um, that is actually what is being done by the council system. It's it, you know, it's it's making uh, um, 
uh, creating a system where you can more efficiently deploy deploy capital to these um, smaller groups, but also have the oversight and checks and balances from atom holders. Very good. Well, I, I think I think we're coming to some sort of you know resolution here. Uh, you know, this wasn't the fight I was expecting it to be, but that's good. We're all friends here. So, sorry to uh, disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was, I was, I was actually like following the discussion and in the in the Telegram group, and it seems that people in the Telegram group are also watching this and uh, and pleasantly surprised that this has been a, a constructive conversation. Um, good, but uh, and I'm also pleasantly surprised now. Of course, I knew that I knew we weren't going to be you know throwing throwing gloves at each other. Um, but yeah, maybe some some of the points here, maybe just to kind of summarize. Um, you know, one, one thing that I've taken away from this and that I, I hope people have also taken away from this is that this is a signaling proposal uh, that the white paper, as it was written, and also the forum posts and all of the conversations were meant to, you know, like really spark a conversation and, 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 and you know, basically do what we're doing now. And although that maybe that wasn't so obvious to everyone. It certainly wasn't obvious to me. Uh, that is in fact the case. And, you know, all these discussions are, are actually helpful in, um, in moving, uh, in, in moving things forward and, and, and arriving at a, at, at a, at a new design for the for the Cosmos Hub that um, aligns the community, aligns stakeholders, aligns token holders and developers, and, and also the ICF. So uh, that for me is like a big takeaway here. Um, Kevin, Tricky, Udit, Sam, uh, what are your main takeaways? Uh, maybe starting um, from my from my left, Kevin. Yeah, I mean the the thing that I am just happier to hear is is more like on the community control side of things. I, I think generally speaking, I do believe that smaller groups of professionals are like a more efficient machine for this kind of activity because they can actually go out make the contacts. Like I work on business development for Juno. Like we have a very small, very small, like group of people, about nine of us or 10 of us who, who go out and like do the legwork to create these relationships and get applications building. I think the same thing needs to exist for the hub. You know, the biggest thing is just that we wanted to know that the community retains control over the councils and the funding and that they always have veto power every step along the way, because it's great to have freedom. We just want to be able to hit the abort button if something goes haywire. And that's what gives like me confidence to go, okay, good. I know that the people who are staking with us are going to be happy because they can vote and still have a stay at least in how the machine, which is working functions. So I, I think that's really important that Adam holders can veto the treasury. And, you know, probably the other point is just that I, I see this as putting more control in, in the hands of Atom holders now and honestly less power into the hands of the ICF, which I think is a good thing. You know, the ICF does need to work on its transparency. Um, I, I know that they're actively working towards that. Um, and, you know, I think we'd all like to see that happening faster. Um, but the delegation policy and things like that, that's great. Um, and I, I, I want to see more changes on that. But I think this is a great way to like take a lot of that stuff that was opaque and not visible to voters and stakers and put it more into the public eye and now give veto power. Like before we could never veto the ICF. Like it's just was there. Like unless you went through some sort of crazy 
fork or something. So now we have like potentially a mechanism to determine and, and have power over the people who are making these decisions and, you know, veto along the way, which I think is always a good check and balance. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, Adam, it's, it's crazy. We now have a, a vision for Adam. Uh, that leads to value accrual and the whole atom holders are still in control every step of the way. Um, I think it's great that we have something to argue over um, for <laughs> what, what's, what's our next step forward rather than wondering, you know, what is our next step forward? Um, and I think I just want to say, you know, uh, if you're, don't be paralyzed by fear or uncertainty uh, around this prop. If you don't understand it, uh, get in the, the forums, ask questions, read other comments, um, I think that once you start to understand this more, there, you'll realize that there's a lot that you're going to agree with um, that's really cool and there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, but maybe there's a few things that, you know, you'd like to see changed or talk more about. And I think it's obvious and it's been expressed here that, you know, that's, uh, that's you know, a possibility. Not everything's set in stone. Um, so not only uh, do we have this, you know, great opportunity uh, in front of us, but we also have an opportunity to shape it together as a community. Um, to make sure it's something we all can get behind and support. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for uh, the next steps for Adam and, you know, to see what comes out of the uh, next version of the, the paper once we take some feedback from the community as well. Yeah, uh, I think this is a pretty bold vision for Adam. And, um, you know, what gives me the most hope is actually to see like the extreme, like vibrant discussion that's going on uh, around this uh, white paper. And I think one of the things that is extremely important for the success of uh, what's being proposed here is, you know, robust governance. And the fact that we are seeing this much deliberation happening about the white paper gives me a lot of hope that we will be able to put, in a, put into place the type of governance system and the types of checks and balances we need for the successful delivery and execution um, of, this, of this project. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my main takeaway. Totally. And if you zoom out at the, the, the kind of primary critiques that the community is having about the paper, you know, issuance and control, um, like the, those are actually the level of discussion that I think the community should be having, like fiscal responsibility, like this is, you know, how are we thinking about spending at the highest level, um, control, like, who are the actors doing this? Like, how is this structured? Like, these are precisely the things that the community like should be focused on. And so like that, that also makes me really happy that like we're working at the right level now. And, um, and the, the paper also suggests you know, that, that there should be more kind of avenues for input and like, and constructive discussion that, that the community has to like, to really, help build this thing. Um, and so I, I'm super excited to see, to see this community council form at like, there, there's so many, you know, super articulate and well-informed people that, that are like contributing to this conversation. And like, you know, I, I'm ecstatic to, to kind of invite them in to, to collaborate on this. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm also very, uh, very bullish on on this whole thing generally. I think, um, you know, I think we are heading towards a new era for Cosmos. I, I've 
you know, I, I've said before that I think that there are like epochs of the, the cosmos and in, in, uh, Adam ecosystem. And certainly pre IBC was one epoch. And, you know, there's been some amount of uh, innovation happening, you know, since IBC was launched and we've seen sort of a Cambrian explosion of, of applications and, 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 um, and innovations at the, at the layer one level, but also the smart contract level with Cosm, Wasm and, and things of this nature. And I think that now with the hub becoming, um, a, a, a real force for, um, building, ecosystem like very important infrastructure for the ecosystem um at, uh, and that's secured by the cosmos hub i think is uh just like a net win for everyone and i'm also very um bullish and you know excited to see uh, other uh other chains in the in the interchain ecosystem have different approaches to this. So, you know, Osmosis certainly has a different approach. And uh, for those of you watching, uh, Sunny will be here on the podcast on a live stream on Thursday. So subscribe uh, to get notified where that comes out. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about the Osmosis approach and how it's different from the Cosmos Hub approach. But I think that all of the all of these things sort of lifts all boats, right? Like the, 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 all these experiments are, are rising the tide for the interchain and, um, you know, giving a... Um, sort of raising the profile of IBC, the Cosmos SDK, and uh, the the Cosmos technology stack as a whole, which is, uh, I think, you know, the the stack that we all agree um, is very well positioned to uh, dominate a lot of the blockchain ecosystem in the coming years. Um, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to be here. We've gone a little long, but uh, I think everybody here in the live stream uh, greatly appreciates you being a part of this conversation. And uh, look forward to continuing the conversation on Twitter and wherever uh, we find you. Um, please consider subscribing to the Interop to get notified of new episodes every week. We typically do podcasts, uh, live streams on Thursdays. Uh, this was a special episode, but we'll be back to our reg regularly scheduled programming on Thursday. Uh, also, be sure to check out Epicenter, my other podcast, where we'll be interviewing Zeki and Ethan tomorrow. So uh, if you look up epicenter podcast on on youtube uh, please subscribe there and we'll have an episode with zeki and um ethan where we dive into the vision for adam 2.0 that's tomorrow thanks so much and look forward to seeing you again very soon